The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to Disney Deciphered, a podcast helping you save money, time, and stress as you plan your Disney vacation. In today's episode, we take a deeper look at Magic Kingdom, going over advanced fast pass strategies, character experiences, specialty dining, and more. Special shout out to Glowtown for leaving us a positive review on Apple Podcasts, and we'd really appreciate it if you're enjoying the podcast if you do the same. Find old episodes of the podcast anywhere where you find fine podcasts, and you can also check out our blog posts accompanying our podcasts at DisneyDeciphered.com. Contact us anytime, DisneyDeciphered at gmail.com, at WDWDeciphered, or on our Facebook page, Disney Deciphered. Thanks, and enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Joe from As Joe Flies. And I'm Leslie from Trips with Tykes. And welcome back to Disney Deciphered. So we wanted to do a Magic Kingdom 201 episode. If you go all the way back to episode three, um, you know, we had our Magic Kingdom 101 episode, which just gave a brief overview of the park. But we want to dig a little bit deeper into Magic Kingdom, what we love about it, how we handle our touring plans and what we'd like to do there. As we were coming up with our show notes, we kind of realized that we could probably talk for like three hours about Magic Kingdom. Um, so what we'll do here is we'll we'll hit as many topics as we can uh, in 20 minutes. But then other than that, we'll have to save the rest for other episodes. And, you know, two years from now, you'll be listening to Magic Kingdom 1801. You know, we'll just go from there. So how's that sound, Leslie? That sounds good. And I have to say, I'm particularly grateful for the chance for a little bit of a Magic Kingdom do-over because when we recorded that episode, we were just figuring this podcast out, and I also had a terrible head cold and was hopped up on cold medicine. So maybe I'll have better advice for you this time. I hope so. <laughs> so just to recap that episode really quickly, um, you know, we talked a little bit about how to get there from the Transportation and Ticketing Center, uh, the TTC. You know, we talked about our favorite rides and various categories um, with one notable omission, which we'll get to in a second. And you know, we also just talked a little bit about where to eat and you know some tips that we had. Um, so let's just get into it. We did miss a notable ride, which uh, Sean Coomer from at miles to memories, who also has a great website, you know, pointed out to us, we did not talk about the haunted mansion in magic kingdom One Hundred and One, which I agree with him was a major oversight. So let's give haunted mansion. It's due. talk about it a little bit, Leslie, why is the haunted mansion such a great ride? Ooh, you're asking the wrong person because <laughs> I, of course, my home park is Disneyland and the Haunted Mansion is just better there. I mean, not the ride itself, but like the mansion. And then you get the uh, holiday overlay with Nightmare Before Christmas. So I think the Haunted Mansion's fine at Disney World, but you're you're going to have to. Sorry, Sean. I'm, he's going to now send me nasty grams. Uh, it's, it's, I mean, it's good. It's a great ride, but I don't know. My, my kid, my youngest is scared of it. So it's going to be a long time before I go on it again. That's funny. I think... The interesting thing about the Haunted Mansion is that there are so many different versions of it all around the world. Um, you know, there's Mystic Manor in Hong Kong. The Haunted Mansion is supposedly, I hear the best one is in Paris, I think. 
um, at Disneyland Paris. Um, so they're all pretty different. I will say that the funny thing about the Haunted Mansion in Disney World is that like they had some kind of Imagineer change in the middle. So if you go through there, you'll feel that it's kind of very different, different thematically in different sections of the Haunted Mansion, which makes it for some people, it makes it a bit of an uneven experience. For me, I think it's just kind of funny to see like one part. It's like obviously trying to be scary, but not really. And then other parts is just trying to be like comedy. Um, so, you know, it's pretty funny. I don't, I don't know if uh, the Disneyland version is like that. I don't know if I've sort of examined the different stages of the Haunted Mansion as much as you have. Uh, I mean, the rides seem pretty similar to me at both Disneyland and Disney World, but I, I'm going to have to take it, take a more critical eye next time I ride it. Homework, Leslie. Anyway, okay. Sean, we've talked about the Haunted Mansion for two minutes. We are moving on. You're welcome. <laughs> but let's talk about rides that you feel are underrated or attractions that you feel are underrated at the Magic Kingdom. What are kind of those attractions at Magic Kingdom that you love that don't get as much press or as much positive feedback um, from others? I'm going to go super underrated. People Mover is going to be my first choice, which is a ride that's no longer around at Disneyland. So the only place you can ride it is at Disney World. And uh, it's just a good option. Never has a very long line. If you're really hot on like a summer day, it, it at least is shaded and you're moving. So you're getting a breeze and you get to go through some of the sort of old school, like behind the scenes kind of places at Disney World. I, I love the people mover. It doesn't scare young children. It's everything to me. <laughs> yeah, that is uh, definitely one of my favorite rides. I will uh, stay in Tomorrowland. I wouldn't say this is a underrated attraction, but it is pretty difficult to get on without a line. I really love the Astro Orbiter. Um, but the problem is the lines there are crazy at any time from 10 a.m. and half an hour before closing. So one thing I would suggest is, you know, if you're in the park early and especially if your kids aren't into thrill rides, so you're not running to Seven Dwarfs Mine Train or whatever, you can be one of the first people on Astro Orbiter and take one of those rides. And I just really love it because it's got a great view of the park. You know, you can kind of see everything that's going on in the Magic Kingdom. And then obviously, if you can wait till the end of the night, uh, it's it's a great ride to kind of just end your night at Magic Kingdom. The dream, of course, would be to be on there when the fireworks are going off, but that's pretty tough, and the lines are still pretty long at that point. But, you know, if you are there the last 10, 15 minutes of the night or during extra magic hours, um, you should be able to get on there no problem um, and not wait in line. It is basically the slowest load time of any ride maybe in all of Walt Disney World, but I really love that ride. Yeah, for that reason, I don't think I've been on it in like a decade. So, you know, I've <laughs> but I'll have to I'll have to add it to my list on the next trip just to get to experience the joy that you that you have. Yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely not worth waiting for. Well, for a long time, but you know, it is a, a nice experience. Any other underrated rides that you can think of? I'm not sure it's fully underrated, but I'm I love the Jungle Cruise. I mean, it's probably a middle of the road attraction in terms of popularity. If you get a good skipper and you really can sometimes, I had my best skipper ever on a trip about two years ago to Disney World. It is funny. And, you know, I know you don't like the corny humor, but but if, you, if you're like me and you love like Skipper Canteen and Jungle Cruise is like a can't miss every time I go. Yeah. Speaking of corny humor that I don't like, um, a couple of my friends went to Monsters, Inc. Laugh Floor. Uh, the last time that we were there uh, without me and they said it was actually pretty good and they had a good time there. And that, I, that attraction has zero 
uh, interest to me, but I don't know if you have any experience with it and if you think that's something that's worth checking out for people. That's that's kind of shocking to me. It it usually is pretty panned. Um, I haven't done it in a long time, so I couldn't tell you. But maybe, maybe it's gotten better. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where it's like depends on the uh, cast member that's running it. So maybe they had a, uh, they might, they may also just have a terrible sense of humor. Who knows? Fair enough. Other than that, in terms of underrated attractions, you know, I think that's pretty much it. Every single attraction in the Magic Kingdom is usually crowded. And so even if it's not underrated, it's going to be crowded regardless. Um, that's been my experience. Yeah, that's right. And and that's a kind of reminds me that we should mention, you know, not everybody wants to plan their Disney vacation down to the minute. And I get that. But if there's going to be only one park that you plan for, I think it's Magic Kingdom. You know, it's definitely possible just to stroll into Epcot for the day and walk around and take in the sights. I don't think that's as possible for Magic Kingdom, especially if you want to ride, you know, the most popular rides. So if you're not an Uber planner, go ahead and put all of your your time and your energy into your Magic Kingdom day. And if you're not, plan on two Magic Kingdom days. I think that's the one one park that probably should be repeated if you're going for a longer period of time. Go Go for more than one day and that way you can at least have a chance to rope drop some of the more popular attractions two times as opposed to just once. Yeah, so let's talk about touring plans. You know, how do you generally like to tackle the Magic Kingdom? Like what what do you generally try to fast pass for and how do you plan your day? Uh, how do you plan your rides? So I think the ride that everybody tries to fast pass for including me is Seven Dwarfs Mine Train. That is the one that seems to just have the never-ending line at all times of day. So that's the one that you should absolutely snag if that's a ride that you think is important. And it's not too scary of a coaster, as we mentioned in our 101 episode. I think, you know, four and five and six-year-olds, many of them will be ready for that, although not my five-year-old. Nor mine. We tried. Nor mine. (laughs) Now, my daughter was like all about it at a young age. So it's just just my my younger one. But yeah, that's that's the must do. And then Peter Pan. That's the other one that is super popular because that is a ride that everybody in the family can do. Babies up to, you know, grandparents and everybody in between. So it's super popular and it has a much lower capacity than some of the bigger attractions like Pirates or, you know, those kind of attractions. So the line just does stay long. So those are my two. If I can get them and plan 60 days in advance, then if I'm staying in a Disney World hotel that I'm always looking for first. What about you, Joe? Yeah, so I generally will fast pass one of the mountains. So either Splash, Space, or Big Thunder, or all of them, um, if I can. Um, Definitely, if I want to take my kids on Peter Pan, I will fast pass that one. But I, uh, we said in another episode, I will get three fast passes early, like say for 9 a.m., 10 a.m., and 11 a.m., so that I can use that rolling forth fast pass. After you use your first three, you can start making other fast pass reservations for the rest of the day, um, kind of throughout the rest of the day. Oh, I always also want to fast pass um, Enchanted Tales with Belle if I'm with my kids because um, they want to go, and that line can get pretty long. In terms of touring, what I like to do is I like to start in Tomorrowland and make my way around the hub um, counterclockwise. So if you get to Tomorrowland at Road Drop, like I said, you know it's easy to start with Astro Orbiter. The line at Buzz Lightyear is pretty short. You can hit up Teacups on the way, making your way north. Um, you can go like Teacups, um, Tomorrowland Speedway if your kids are into that. Although maybe 
bring a mask so you don't die from all the pollution and you know kind of making your way up Winnie the Pooh you can hit a lot of those rides between 9 and 9 a.m. and 10, 11 a.m. or whenever rope drop is aka when the park opens that those first 2 hours you can hit a lot of those rides in Tomorrowland and Fantasyland with pretty minimal waits cuz it's after 10 11 a.m. that um the crowds get pretty busy yeah that's right we we tend to do it slightly in reverse we usually start in Fantasyland and then make our way to the couple of Tomorrowland attractions that we want to hit and then peel out and head over to say Adventureland and do some of those attractions. But uh, it's the same strategy. You know, there are a lot of smaller attractions within a close, within close proximity to each other, especially in Fantasyland. So it's possible just, you know, hop on Winnie the Pooh, hop on Small World, do the teacups and hit a lot of things in close succession. And that's when you really need to be making the most of rope drop. I mean, you can get a lot of attractions in in the first hour or two if you're if you're going. So, no bathroom breaks, no snack breaks, pack <laughs> pack some snacks, keep moving and get those rides in quickly and then when the crowds build by, you know, as you're approaching closer to lunchtime, you can uh slow it down. Because nothing says fun to a kid more than being shuttled from attraction to attraction as quickly as possible. <laughs> hey, we're paying a lot of money. <laughs> For these tickets, Joe, yeah. my kids are going to like it. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I I, just parked, like, so at Tomorrowland, I just parked the stroller by a people mover and then just throw my kid on my back and, like, piggyback them from Buzz all the way to teacups. And then, because um, it's much faster to drag them, carry them, than to uh, put them <laughs> in their stroller. Um, I will say, even though I do love the people mover, I never do that during my rope drop hour. You know, I always save that yeah, for later because yeah. the line, although the line has been worse the last few times I've been there, but still people mover lines are not like there will be a time of the day where you can get into the people mover with no line. That was where we hit the last trip when we were there at the end of June and it was blazingly hot and we did early morning extra magic hour and put our children through the force march that I just alluded to um, at about 1130. We were all just, you know, sweaty and exhausted and that was when we got on the people mover with our, you know, five or 10 minute wait. And we're so grateful for it. Yep. That, that's the way to do it. This is a good time to talk about, there are rides where you will sometimes encounter like huge lines and sometimes encounter tiny lines. I will highlight one. It's a small world. If you have a young kid, you are probably going to need to ride that. The best time to ride that, I would say is, you know, towards the end of the day late afternoon and further, you know, that's when most people have ridden it already and the lines are pretty low. If you actually for our family, if we're not doing Astro Orbiter as our last ride, we'll do small world as the last ride. Cause there's like never a line. And sometimes our kids want to go on twice because they love to punish us uh, in retribution for <laughs> dragging them around as much as possible, but definitely be aware that lines uh, do fluctuate and don't wait for like longer than half an hour for small world. You're just, you're um, not being efficient with your time if you do that. Yeah, that's right. And and the other thing to note is that that wait times, standby wait times at Magic Kingdom sometimes just don't seem to make sense at all. And I think that's because there are so many attractions at Magic Kingdom that offer Fast Pass. I think there's like 25 maybe attractions that offer Fast Pass. And the that can really mess with standby wait times, I, I think. So sometimes it's like, why on earth does Small World have a 30 or 45 minute wait or Winnie the Pooh or, or something like that. And I think it's, it's Disney manipulating wait times because of the, the, you know, how much they're offering fast pass or not offering fast pass, but, but it doesn't always make sense. And it's not always the same. And uh, even if you go at sort of 
you know, a medium crowd time, you may find the line for for one of those attractions just radically different than at another medium crowd time. Yeah, not to be too geeky, but just so people know, like at least 70% of the people who are getting on rides are people who have fast passes. So that's kind of how Disney manipulates that. Um, and it can get all the way up to like 80%. So that's why, that's why you know, Seven Dwarfs Mine Train standby wait time is 120 minutes because 60, 70% of the people who are getting on that train have fast passes. And that's also why you should be snagging those fourth and fifth fast passes, especially at Magic Kingdom, like Joe was saying, making your reservations for your first three early in the morning, because there is availability for a lot of those more moderately popular or less less popular attractions. There is availability for those in the afternoon and evening. So it's possible to really roll through quite a few fast passes and not have to use the standby lines at all. Yeah, especially if you're like not a thrill ride family, like Pirates, Haunted Mansion, Small World, even Peter Pan sometimes, although that gets pretty busy, uh, Enchanted Tales with Belle, Little Mermaid, like all those rides you should be able to find fast passes for in the mid to late afternoon. So, you know, you can finish your first three and then just start looking for those and uh, plan your day around that. I think Magic Kingdom, because of that, I do agree with you that you should go in with a plan and kind of a direction. but you know, because you can get those fast passes, sometimes you can be more flexible um, with your plan and not be as rigid as you might want to be. Yeah, that's right. You can definitely take more of the afternoon and evening by ear. And if you go in with a really firm, say like first three hour plan and, and with your three fast passes and knock, knock a lot of things out. Yeah. And then after you've dragged your kid from ride to ride for three hours, they're crying <laughs> and hate you. And then you just go back to the hotel and that's a day. <laughs> No, now it's time to to eat. It's lunchtime, Joe. So we got to yes. talk about some some restaurants and uh, and all of that here. I don't know if I can uh, recommend any more restaurants than we talked about in one hundred and one. So at one hundred and one, uh, we discussed Columbia Harbor House. You did. What was your pick for eating? Oh, Skipper, Skipper Canteen. Skipper Canteen. That's always my pick. And then in our character dining episode, I talked about Crystal Palace. Um, you know, other than that, you know, I think the real food to highlight is there's a. If you can handle it, there's a spicy chicken waffle sandwich um, at what's that place called? Oh, the, what, in, where we joined, where we ate with you? <laughs> yeah, in Liberty Square. What's that place called? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's your place. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that is at um, Sleepy Hollow Refreshments, like in Liberty Square. That is a hidden gem, and it's really good. People love Casey's hot dogs. I think there's too much bread, although the hot dog's really good. Um, but, you know, the real tip is make sure at all these quick service restaurants, use mobile ordering. You will really save quite a bit of time in line when you do that. Yes, that's definitely right. And 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 do make your dining reservations if you want to do some more of the more iconic experiences, dining experiences like uh, Be Our Guest. Um, make sure you, you're looking for those well in advance because Magic Kingdom, it seems to be a little bit tougher ticket for some of those restaurants. Yeah, for sure. All right, before we get out of here, I do want to touch on the characters a little bit, you know, just because that is one of my kids' favorite things to do at Magic Kingdom, which as like a rides and attraction person kind of drives me nuts a little bit, but they do love seeing the characters. So are there any characters in the Magic Kingdom that you particularly enjoy seeing? So we actually have not done the characters very much at Magic Kingdom because I am sending my children through the Force March of Rides. And, uh, but you know, that that is definitely a way to do the magic kingdom there are there are so many character meet and greets princesses and 
Fab Fives, and there are a lot of locations. You could almost make a day of character meet and greets in Magic Kingdom, and it sounds like maybe you have, Joe. Should you tell us about that? Yeah, I mean, so we always make it a point to fast pass Mickey Mouse at Town Hall Square. We used to love going there um, when Mickey would talk to us, um, and so he sung Happy Birthday to my daughter once, and that was awesome. So we really love that. Uh, my daughter loves Tinkerbell too, and her line is usually shorter, so you can do standby for that. One, so two tricks for characters, kind of like guaranteed characters. Um, the first I would say is if you have a kid who wants to meet Belle, um, you know, definitely do Enchanted Tales with Belle because it's kind of half attraction, half character meet and greet. She doesn't do autographs, but basically they go through the story of Beauty and the Beast, but your kids, if they want to, can be involved in the play that they do. It's really cute, and my kids love it, and they like being involved, and then you get a photo op with uh, Belle at the end. The other thing that we really like to do is um, Pete's Silly Sideshow, which is where Dumbo is. You can meet Minnie, Daisy, Goofy, and Donald, all four of them, and if you get there right around 9.50, because those character meet and greets usually open around 10 or get there 10 minutes before they open. You can usually get all four of those characters within 20 minutes. Um, the lines are pretty short. And so, you know, those are the things we like to do. That's kind of by making the fast pass for Mickey and by going to Enchanted Tales with Belle and seeing those four, we can nail a guaranteed six characters per day. Plus all the miscellaneous ones. Like we've lined up for Snow White before when we saw her randomly, and, you know, there's a lot of other meet and greets, but those are the kind of ones that we like to make sure we hit every time. Yeah, that's right. And and those fast passes are surprisingly popular. I mean, Enchanted Tells with Belle is definitely the one that goes first, but a lot of the other ones are sold out sometimes um, on plenty of days. So you do have to think about the timing for those. I mean, that's not the one to leave towards the middle of the afternoon if you don't have a fast pass for it, because you may have a very long wait. But but there are some really cool character meet and greets. Um, you know, Gaston does walk around uh, New Fantasyland, and he's really fun to watch. I mean, you, you aren't going to have like a line and take pictures with him as much, but uh, he he's great. Yeah, now that you're talking about it, I feel like we've been to like everyone that has a fast pass at least. I guess my daughter has all those autographs, except for when we lost the book because we lost our bag at Disney World. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> That's devastating. That's devastating for a for a five year old. Yeah. So well, I, she was three at the time, so I think she doesn't remember. But we're still devastated. <laughs> no. Can't find my Kate Spade wallet. Ooh, your Kate Spade wallet? <laughs> no, it's my wife's, but yeah, we never found it. It was a cool wallet. All right. So I think that is it for characters, and that should be it for the episode. How's the sound? It's a good place to sign off, Leslie. Yeah, we'll cut ourselves off for once. You know, we've been having these mega episodes lately. So, yeah, a really quick Disney do. I would say that be flexible. I think Magic Kingdom is the park where you can be the most flexible. You will have those moments where you run into Snow White or your daughter will bug you about seeing Pluto on Main Street, even though you know that Pluto is there just to slow you down so that the crowds at the rides aren't as long. Just be flexible. Magic Kingdom is the park that is the most for your children and not for you. And so if you're traveling with kids, you know, kind of go with the flow, do what they want. Don't feel like you have to cram everything in to one day. They will have a great time despite you running them to the ground with your forced march of happiness and fun. I know I feel like a terrible parent after this episode, but uh, listen to Joe, not to me today. Oh, no, I do that too. 
but you know, I just <laughs> do as do as you say, not as you do. Well, you know what, Leslie, you had the perfect advice. You do two days in the Magic Kingdom. Day one is forced march of happiness and fun. Day two is you take it easy and you let your kids dictate where you want to go. And then everybody's happy. All right. That's excellent compromise advice. There you go. All right. So uh, thanks so much. Hit us up at WW Deciphered on Twitter, our Facebook page, Disney Deciphered, or you can email us, DisneyDeciphered at gmail.com. We'd really love it if you left us a positive review on iTunes. Other than that, Leslie, I will see you next time on Main Street. Thanks, Joe. My little brother's friends have been camped out at our place for two days straight. Three. It's because of the Xfinity 10G network. Internet that can handle a house full of screens at once, with like basically no interruptions. And it's only getting faster. When I was their age, internet like this was a pipe dream. You sound like my grandpa. Please go home. Introducing the next generation 10G network, only from Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas.